0: hallways of Shed High School from WSHDLP Eastport. This is Round the World with your host, Cracklin' Jane from Eastport, Maine. Stay tuned for historical 78 RPM recordings from around the world. Thank you! like that? I just got a package. Now, what can this be? It's kind of small and hardly weighs anything. Oh, it's just an old burlap sack. Can this be the Kingsley brand time-traveling apparatus I ordered from that coupon I clipped out of Low Power DJ Quarterly Magazine? I was expecting something a little more... Well, I, I did order the absolute cheapest thing they had, All it can do is go back exactly a 100 years. That's the only setting. They do have models that are more ergonomic, and, like space pods with controls for not only traveling to exact points in time, but exact locations. And if you're a super-duper billionaire, you can get the one with the plush interior that travels to alternative universes. So theoretically, you could go to the universe where... Hitler was actually accepted to art school, and was kept busy so that he didn't have time to start World War II. Now, let's bring this downtown, where the boarded up storefronts used to be bustling businesses, and I'll just crawl into this thing, and I'll be danged! Can this be 1922? Well, let's just duck into this furniture store and follow the music. We crawled inside our Kingsley brand bottom of the line time traveling burlap sack, which can only travel 100 years into the past. And we're just hanging out at this furniture store. Why a furniture store? Well, if you think about it, 1922 was before the advent of commercial radio, and furniture stores sold Victrolas in fine, polished cabinets. So that's where you would go to listen to records and decide which ones to buy. We just heard a couple brand new Paul Whiteman recordings from 1922, first stumbling, and then we heard hot lips. And you'll recall that 1922 was when Tatankaman's tomb was discovered, which caused an Egyptian craze in the 1920s. So let's see if they'll let us listen to a couple of these shake-themed numbers, starting with the Royal Club Orchestra. Here is the shake.
1: Could you love like a lover, Sam? You could have your race and ham in the finest of kitchens down in Alabama. And though he's just a bottle for horses, he's the cause of many divorces. They all love love and Sam,
2: the chief of Alabama.
0: Lovin' Sam, the Sheik of Alabama. That was Isabel Patricola with the Virginians. Before that, the Royal Club Orchestra played the Shake. Now the owner's Manual of this Kingsley brand time-traveling sack has a list of recommendations for people considering going back in time. You should treat the past as if you were visiting a foreign country. Don't stick out like a sore thumb. Wear clothes that would not seem out of place in that era. No logos, synthetic fabrics, velcro, etc. How about a trench coat and wingtips? Get an appropriate haircut. If someone remarks that you seem peculiar, tell them you're visiting from Australia or some other place far away where they've probably never been. Avoid modern slang. Don't talk politics and carry a handkerchief. Get all inoculations or vaccinations before leaving, since a lot of the bugs that have been eradicated were still around back then. Don't steal anything to bring back to modern times, and don't go back to place bets in order to enrich yourself. And being here in 1922 reminds me of a friend who claimed that his grandma, who had 10 kids, used to get the whole house up and ready for school in the 20s by playing marching band music on the Victrola. So let's see how Walter B. Rogers and his band does with their jolly coppersmiths. March, Guard March, played by Militaire Capella from 1922 Germany. Before that, Walter P. Rogers and his band gave us the Jolly Coppersmith. Good records for getting the kids out of bed and ready for school. And speaking of beds, maybe I'll test out some of these mattresses over here in, in the bedroom set department. We're broadcasting from a 1922 furniture store, by the way, and taking the opportunity to listen to some brand new recordings in the Victrola department. How about something relaxing? Here's Henry Burr, my buddy.
3: touch of your hand just
0: 3 o'clock in the morning, that was Paul Whiteman and his orchestra once again, in their latest hit from 1922. This was preceded by St. Stephen's native Henry Burr, singing My Buddy. You are listening to WSHDLP Eastport. We're broadcasting this hour from a furniture store in 1922. Specifically, we're sampling all the latest 70 RPM records and testing the mattresses and Maybe I'll just sit down in this overstuffed red velvet armchair with the, with the brass tack trims, and tassels, and while I peruse the newspaper, we'll hear a couple records from the overseas collection. Here's something from Italy, Banda Paisana, playing Tramonto Doro, Golden Sunset. <laughs> something from bohemia that was capella pana harmana playing yajasemi mali by Slivicek. and before that we heard tramonto doro golden sunset by banda paisana from italy both from 1922 i'm just relaxing in this overstuffed armchair in the living room furniture department of a store where they sell victrolas and i see in this newspaper that Us gals were chipping away at the male bastions of power here in 1922. Someone brought a case before the Supreme Court arguing that the recent 19th Amendment allowing women the right to vote was unconstitutional, and the Supreme Court let the 19th Amendment stand. And the first woman senator was sworn in in 1922, a former slave owner from Georgia, who only served for one day. And the first woman FBI agent was sworn in, and the first woman foreign service officer. And speaking of the exotic and the unusual, there's a stack of songs about far-flung places, starting with Leona Williams and her Dixie band with Mexican Blues. On the Alamo. We heard Isham Jones in his orchestra. This was, this was preceded by the Friar Society Orchestra with their musical depiction of Panama, and the Latinate lineup was launched by Leona Williams and her Dixie band with Mexican blues. All those latest recordings being played for prospective purchasers here at the Victrola department of this 1922 furniture store, which were visiting courtesy of the Kingsley brand time travel apparatus. We ordered the super budget-friendly burlap sack model. We'll listen to a few more of the latest 1922 hits before returning to the WSHDLP studios. In the meantime, get a load of this newspaper item from the gossip section. In a Sheffield, England courtroom, accused bigamist Teresa Vaughn has admitted under oath that in the past five years she has acquired 61 husbands in 50 cities throughout England, Germany, and South Africa, averaging a marriage a month. She is 24 years old. And speaking of 1922 scandal, here's Edith Wilson. He used to be your man, but he's my man now. Stop your kidding. That was lads, Black Aces. Before that we heard the scandalous Edith Wilson with, He used to be your man, but he's my man now. Both of those of course from 1922. Alright it's uh, time to head back to 2022. Now traveling back a hundred years to 1922 was straightforward, but I wonder how to get back. I can't seem to find that owner's manual. Well, in the meantime, here's Husco Hair's Super Orchestra of Chicago with Boo Hoo Hoo. That was Husko Hare's Super Orchestra of Chicago, and they played Boo Hoo Hoo. And you'll be relieved to know that we're back in the modern 21st century WSHDLP studios. We figured out by accident that the way to get back from 1922 was to uh, turn our Kingsley brand time-traveling bottom-of-the-line burlap sack inside out and just crawl back inside. Yes, we ordered the absolute cheapest time travel apparatus offered on the market and found ourselves exactly 100 years in the past, 1922 to be exact. We made a beeline for a furniture store that sold beautiful polished mahogany console model Victrolas and spent an hour listening to the latest sample records while testing various mattresses and easy chairs. You're listening to WSHDLP Eastport. And we have for your further time-traveling and toxification a 1956 episode of X-1, Project Mastodon. So let's listen.
4: Countdown for blast-off. X-5, 4. Three, two, X minus one, fire.
5: Tonight, Project Mastodon by Clifford D. Simak. Mr.
6: Secretary, may I present Mr. Hudson of, um... Mastodonia. Uh, uh, Mastodonia. Mr. Hudson, this is the Secretary of State. Honored, sir. Now, as Chief of Protocol for the Department, I've... Implemented... All right, Mr. Kingston, I haven't much time. I'm due at a meeting of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee at 2... If you've passed Mr. Hudson in, I'll assume everything is quite proper. Now then, Mr. Hudson, I understand you've been here several times seeking recognition for your uh, country. Well, that's right. I had a hard time making your staff believe I was in earnest. And are you, Mr. Hudson? Oh, very much so. You are an American, Mr. Hudson. I assume you are acting as a representative for Macedonia rather than as a principal in the matter. hmm? Oh, no, no, no. I claim dual citizenship, sir. I am a Macedonian. You'll pardon me, but I've never heard of your uh, country. Well, it's a new nation, but quite legitimate.
5: We have a constitution, a democratic form of government, duly elected officials, and a code of laws. We are a free, peace-loving people, and we are possessed
6: of a vast amount of natural resources, Please tell me, Mr. Hudson, just where are you located? I gathered it was somewhere in uh, Asia? Oh, no, no. Technically, you are our nearest neighbors. That's ridiculous. Now, look here, Hudson. You can't... If you'll give me just a moment, Mr. Secretary, I I have considerable evidence. I'll have to ask you to leave. I'm sorry, sir. Go ahead, Mr. Hudson. You've submitted a document signed by a certain Wesley
5: Adam. He's our first president. You see, we'd like to establish diplomatic relations. After all, we are a sister republic. We'd like to negotiate a trade agreement and... uh... Uh, of course, we'd be grateful for assistance under the foreign
6: aid program. Naturally. Who wouldn't? Mr. Secretary. All right, Kingston. We're prepared to
5: offer something in return for, uh, one thing. Sanctuary. Sanctuary? I understand that in the present state of international tensions, a foolproof sanctuary is not something to be sneezed at. Hmm. All right,
6: Kingston, I think we've had enough. Show Mr. Hudson out. <laughs>
4: Let's have the story again.
1: Look, mister, I don't want
4: any trouble. Just tell the story again. You want to cooperate with the FBI, don't you? Oh, sure, sure I do, sure. But I just don't want any trouble. All right, start over. You found the briefcase in the booth. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I brought my beer over from the bar, you know? And this fellow just went out a minute before, so I figured he must have left it. I run after him. Uh, You didn't see him, though? No. So I... Well, I, I just kind of looked in the briefcase. You know, I, I mean to identify it. That's all. I don't steal. Right, then you came to us. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I mean, after all, when
1: I saw that stuff, well, I just figured I was way over my head, you know?
4: All right. Don't say anything about this, do you understand? We'd rather you uh, just forgot the whole thing.
1: Oh, sure, sure. Listen, some things I don't want to
3: remember. You know?
4: Is this Dr. Harrison of the paleontology department? This is Mr. Jenkins at the Federal Bureau of Investigation. We have some movie film we'd like you to look over.
3: Huh? Hmm?
4: Oh, uh, we acquired it. Big shaggy elephants and tigers with teeth down to their neck. No. No, it's not fakes. Our labs are sure of that. Whatever is on those films is real. Hmm? Hmm? No, we don't know. That's why we called you. We haven't the slightest idea where those pictures were shot. We can't even guess.
5: Matter, coop. Well, those flying hypodermics. This is a fine, healthy spot. Mosquitoes as big as hummingbirds. Oh, careful, son! You're knocking the climate of the capital city of Macedonia. Yeah, some capital city. One palm tree and a Boy Scout pup tent. Wes, this is the wildest thing we ever did. What if Chuck can't get back? Now, Chuck Hudson is a man of many parts. Have faith. Supposing they're putting him in jail or, or something might happen to the time unit or the helicopter. We should have gone along. Do you think they'll do it, Coop? Who? What? The United States. Do you think they'll recognize us? Not if they know that Mastodonia is the United States 50,000 years ago. Mm. Well, we have to get legal recognition first, otherwise it wouldn't be safe. Well, there goes that Mastodon again. Good old buster. Where is he? Right there. Over by the groves, Ah, huh? oh, he's lonely. What? He probably is. He must have been run out of the herd by some younger bull. That's why he hangs around like some homeless dog. See, one thing worries me, Wes. I know you dreamed up the time unit and we all chipped in for the helicopter, but can you just claim territory on your own like we did? Why not? If we found it, it's ours. Hey, Buster's coming this way. Give me the right. No, wait, wait, wait. Maybe he's only bluffing. If that mastodon comes through here, he'll stomp everything flat. I'll give him three steps more. Oh, it'd be such a shame to plaster him. Such a nice old monster. One more step, and he gets it. Hey, that's Chuck. He's back. I wish he could fly that helicopter better. He might wreck it. Well, anyway, he scared Buster off. <laughs> those fires up, Wes.
2: Oh, no, they're high enough,
5: Poops. You don't want a saber-tooth waltzing through here, do you? Well, we better get a stockade up. You know, some night a herd of mastodon will come busting in here, and if they ever hit the helicopter, we'll be dead ducks. We'd never get back. We'd be stuck back here in the Pleistocene age. I won't feel safe till we get another helicopter. Those mastodons carry a lot of ivory, and the mammoths up north. Oh, sure, sure, and get socked in the jug for smuggling ivory. Only way to cash in on the time unit is to get diplomatic recognition for Mastodonia. We've got a good case. You said so yourself. Oh, a saber tooth? I'm by the grove. Hmm, I don't like that. Sounds closer. Hey, poke up that fire, will you, Coop? Oh, well, that's Buster. There he is. He's tangling with a saber tooth. Well, lay three to five on Buster. Cat's drawn blood. I'll take $5 of it. Come on, Buster. Roll on him, will you? Cat's on his head now. Hey. Hey, he's coming this Look way. Look
2: out.
0: West! turn him. Shoot. Hey,
5: got him. Got him. Yeah. The tiger's gone. He won't get far. Yeah, that will wait. Oh, No. No. Yeah, good old Buster. Trust him to drop dead right across the helicopter.
2: Well, we
5: can fix it, can't we? We probably won't even be able to roll Buster off of it. The rotor blades are twisted and the frame is a mess. A total mess, gentlemen. We are in trouble. Nastodonia hm. faces a crisis. <laughs>
7: the key man in the administration. You swing a big stick on the hill, you can't give up on Project Mastodon now. Less it's been 10 years.
6: If they were coming back, they'd be here by now.
7: Look, I've been working on this ever since we got those films. I've traced their lives from the time they were born till the time they disappeared. Adams was the brains. The other two were quite capable of helping him carry it out. Hudson knew all the angles. Les,
6: I've sneaked your appropriation through four times. Now, there's a limit. But I've got the proof.
7: We've had every paleontologist in the country go over those films. They couldn't be faked. Who would know to to put lynx tassels on the ears of saber-toothed tigers? Who would know that young mastodons were black? And the location? We tracked down Adam's farm just from landmarks in the prehistoric landscape in those films. We've got to contact them. Look, Les, even assuming
6: it's all true, a planet has only a grand total of resources. If we get Adam's uh, device... Time machine. If we exploit resources of prehistoric America, won't we be robbing ourselves of our own heritage?
7: Look, Herb, I've been over all that with the AEC. There's a lot of lead in southwestern Wisconsin. If we go back far enough, we can catch it when it's uranium. The whole
6: research project hasn't turned up a lead on Adam's machine, if it exists.
7: We've got to keep watching that farm. They might return. We've got to keep looking for them, no matter how long it takes.
5: Listen, Wes, we can't stay around here much longer. Old Buster's getting a little too strong. Yeah, well, I'll have the time unit clear the helicopter in a few minutes. And then we'll just have to move camp upwind. Hmm? Look at him. It's only two days since he dropped dead, bless his heart. Mm. Freddie, those vultures are half into him. I haven't picked clean inside of a week. Oh, uh, Give me the hex wrench, will you? Wes, is, is, it, is it all right, the time unit? Well, we won't know until we try it, Coop. And then, of course, it's too late. Well, either it does or doesn't. Problem is... How are we going to use it without the copters? Well, couldn't we take a chance on using it on the ground? No, we have to get up in the air. You do want to take a chance of arriving in the 20th century about six feet underground. Wait a minute, Wes. It's got to be higher here than in the 20th century. Look, these hills have stood here since the Jurassic era. They've got to be weathered down. Yeah, no. Well, the only safe way is to build a platform about uh, 12 feet high. That should be enough to clear us. But suppose we come out on the other end two feet higher. Well, we fall... Which would you rather do? Take a chance on a broken leg or stay here? Okay, okay. Now, what do we build the platform out of? There you are, Wes. All right, I got it. Chuck, comes the next stone. Now, wait a minute. Hey, look out. You want the whole pile to come down? Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, Wes, hand it up. Yep. Uh, give me... Yeah, That's about 12 feet, isn't it? Well, it ought to be. It took us 10 days to pile it up. Look out, I'm coming down. All right, don't start an avalanche. Well, pretty soon we'll be able to start all over again. Mm-hmm. If the unit works. Yeah, that isn't all. We don't have any proof we've been back here. We'll be stone broke. Another helicopter would cost $30,000. Can't walk into a bank and borrow 30 grand to take a short trip to the Stone Age. Wes, where do you figure we are? I, I mean, on a farm. Well, I think we're clear of the barn and the silo. I hope so. The way I figured, we're straddle that barbed wire fence at the uh, south end of the orchard. Well, we might as well give it a try. All right, I'll get the unit. You two climb up on top of the pyramid. <laughs> You ready? Think it'll work, Wes? I don't know, Coop. Got pretty well banged up when Buster hit the copter. I haven't got the equipment to check the waveforms. All right, stand around close, bend your knees a little. Mm -hmm. Might be quite a drop. Go ahead. Push the button. Okay. One. Two. Three. (laughs) Nothing. Doesn't work. Well...
4: That's that. You're stuck.
6: I'm sorry, Les. There's nothing
7: you can do, Herb. You've been out of government for five years.
6: If there's anything I can do, the board of directors instructed me to offer you...
7: No, thank you.
6: Well, what are you going to do? I mean, now that you're retired. I bought a farm oh?
7: in Wisconsin...
6: You haven't given up, have you?
7: I'm the only one. They closed Project Mastodon down three years ago, and they've been hinting ever since that I'd be happier retired. Old Bowers, he's the crackpot from Project Mastodon. I'm
6: sorry, Les, but it has been 20 years.
7: Yes, yes, it has. But think of it. From a military point of view, hidden bases in enemy territory itself, centuries removed in time yet only seconds away. If we had bases like that and shelters. Relax, Les. It's all over. Sure, sure. It's all over.
5: Ah. <laughs> uh, missed. You should be more careful. We've only been stuck a month now. Someday we'll run out of ammo, and then it's bows and arrows. It's cold. There'll be snow soon. Coop, I'm worried about Wes. He takes it pretty hard. As long as he's tinkering on that time unit, he's happy. Oh, he isn't going to repair the unit. He hasn't got a chance. Back in the workshop with the tools, maybe. Well, anyway, the hunting's great. Well, maybe we better start saving bullets for a big game. We won't be lords of creation around here long without our guns. Yeah, and if one of us gets sick or breaks a leg... Well, nobody lives forever. Wes is a lucky one. He's got that time unit to tinker with. Come on, we better get back to camp. Hey. Hey, what? Come on. Wes! Wes! There's no sign of him. Wait, there's a note on the door. Wes! Never mind, listen. Dear guys, I don't want to get your hopes up again and have you disappointed, but I think I may have found the trouble. I'm going to try it out. If it works, I'll be back to get you. Wes. What, a fool? That unit can't work. He must be off his rocker. Wait a minute. Coop, look, that pyramid... It took us ten days to pile those stones up. It's gone. The Pyramid of Rocks. It's gone. Oh,
7: what the? Of all the confounded... uh, what's, What's going on out there? Rocks? Who dumped those rocks? My car. Who's out there? It's all right. Don't you move, mister. I got a forty-five pointed at you. Well,
5: I can explain.
4: Well,
7: you better. There was a brand new car where you dumped that load of rocks. Who the devil are you? Uh, My name
5: is Wesley Adams.
7: Adams? Adams? Man, where have you been all these years? Well, I don't suppose you'll believe me, but the fact is... I've been waiting for you for 25 years. The others all gave up. I'm sorry about your car. Oh, never mind. I'll be right down. and Now, don't touch a thing. Don't go anywhere.
5: Twenty-five years? It's only been a few months in Macedonian
7: time. Twenty-five years. Man, it's been a long wait. The unit. must have been badly calibrated. You
5: see, it isn't accurate for more than 50,000 years at a jump if the setting has moved.
7: Well, we better call Washington. I imagine you'll want the same terms as before. Hmm? Terms? Uh, recognition, Economic Aid for Macedonia, Defense Pact. Now, uh, listen, Adams, you've got those saps over a barrel. You can get anything you want now. The unit.
5: I'll have to calibrate to the day to go back for them. Oh, don't
7: worry about it. You can have every scientist in the country working on it now. Oh, you've got them right where you want them. Hello? Uh, Long distance. This is uh, Major General Leslie Bowers, retired. I want to put a call to the uh, President of the United States, White House, Washington. You can tell them I'm placing the call for the president of the Republic of Mastodonia.
5: Come on, Og, son of fire. Put another log on. It's cold. It's good cold storage for the furs. Boy, when Wes gets back, we'll be millionaires. Furs, ginseng root, ivory. If he gets back. It's been five years. He'll come back. I feel it in my bones. Well, he better find it before we get too old to enjoy anything. Unfortunately, there's no social security in Mastodon. Don't you worry. Wes is working on it right now. I can feel it.
4: Hello, Charlie. Something just came through on the ticker. I want you to get a background story on it. And we just recognized Mastodonia. What? How should I know where it is? Look it up in the encyclopedia. Huh? No, the item says formal recognition was delayed five years until communication could be established. Certain technical difficulties. What? I don't know. Wherever it is, I don't see what difficulties could hold up five years. It stands to reason wherever the place is you could walk there in five years. Nah, no, nah, it's not important. You know these postage stamp countries. Monaco, Luxembourg, they're all alike. What's so different about Mastodoni?
5: Tonight, by transcription, X minus one has brought you. Project Mastodon, a story from the pages of Galaxy written by Clifford D. Simak and adapted for radio by Ernest Kanoy. Featured in the cast were Floyd Mack, Dick Hamilton, Charles Penman, Raymond Edward Johnson, Frank Maxwell, Robert Hastings, John Larkin, and Joseph Julian. Your announcer is Jerry Damon. X-Minus One was directed by Daniel Sutter.
0: listening to WSHDLP Esport. We've just heard a 1956 episode of X-1 dealing with, appropriately enough, time travel. Now, stay tuned for a 1951 episode of the radio version of Dragnet, entitled The Big New Year's Eve.
8: The story you're about to hear is true. Only the names have been changed to protect the innocent you're a detective sergeant you're assigned a homicide detail it's new year's eve in your city and you're on special duty thousands of people crowd downtown streets one of them is a killer your job find them Dragnet, the documented drama of an actual crime For the next 30 minutes, in cooperation with the Los Angeles Police Department, you will travel step-by-step on the side of the law through an actual case transcribed from official police files. From beginning to end, from crime to punishment, Dragnet is the story of your police force in action.
9: It was New Year's Eve. It was cold in Los Angeles. We were working the night watch out of homicide, special duty. My partner's Ben Romero. The boss is Thad Brown, chief of detectives. My name's Friday. I was on the way back from dinner, and it was 8.35 p.m. when I got to room 42. Homicide.
3: Joe?
9: Hi, Barney. How is it outside? It's cold. Not keeping people at home, though. Did you check the crowds? Yeah. Been watching it from the window here. Seems bigger than last New Year's. Crazy. You're on with Ben and me tonight, is that right?
10: Uh-huh. Thought I was going to have it off. Wife had a little house party planned and everything.
9: Well, that's too bad. Maybe next time, huh?
10: And that's what I said last New Year's. Now, I guess we better start moving. Yeah, where's Ben? He went down the hall a minute, said he'd be right back. I'd better
11: take my top coat, huh?
9: Yeah, I would if I were you. Nothing for us in the book, is there, Barney?
10: I almost forgot Jack Conley called, having a little party out of his house. I want you and Romero to drop around when you get off. I said he'd call back.
11: Uh-huh. Hi, Joe. Hi. You by ready? Yeah, let me grab my overcoat. All right. I just tagged by communications. Switchboards lit up like a Christmas tree during a millennium.
9: Just like last year, they're starting off strong. 415, 507, calls coming in with a dozen. I'd like to see it just once. People celebrating New Year's without tearing up half the town. I get it. <laughs> Homicide Friday. Oh, yeah, Jack. Yeah, well, Barney just mentioned it. Well, we'll try and make it. You know how things are tonight. Yeah, we'll try. Sure. Thanks a lot. There's Jack Conley, Ben, on his way home. He wants us to drop by his place if we get off early tonight. Not much chance of that. You ready? Yeah, I am. You, Bart? Mm. Let's go. Guess you
10: can't tell. We might get a break.
2: Hmm?
10: The crowds are starting in pretty early. Good chance
9: they'll break and go home right after midnight. That should get us off early. That was the idea last year, wasn't it, Ben? Uh-huh. Yeah. What time did you get off? 6 a.m. Together with Sergeant Barney Luchek, Ben and I left the city hall and started a cruise to the southern end of the central area. As any police officer can tell you, New Year's Eve for him is one of the hardest working nights in the year. This one was no different for us. Within an hour, we'd had more than a half a dozen calls to check out. Street fights, drunken driving, disturbing the peace. The usual complaints that you'd expect to get when a community of three million celebrates New Year's Eve. 9.43 p.m. We were cruising in the area of Alameda and Macy Street. Unit 72R at Wilshire and Geneva, 311. 311, KMA 367. Roger, 72R. Unit 112 at 83 Naylor Avenue. See the man, keep the peace. KMA 367. No stopping him, huh? It a big night. Smoke, Joe? No, no thanks.
11: Attention all units. All units in the vicinity at East Main and Darwin, an officer needs
9: help. Well, looks like we got one, huh? Yeah. All units in the vicinity at East Main and Darwin, an officer needs help. I guess we better handle it, huh? All right. The next one to the left, Ben, we can go out Darwin. I oh, know. Yeah. Well, I better call him. 80K to Control 1, 80K to Control 1. What's the matter? Well, I guess they're busy. 80K to control one. 80K to control one.
11: Stand by 80K. Attention, all units.
9: All units in the vicinity. The call to East Main and Darwin is now a shooting. I guess you better push it, Ben. Yep. Got it down to the floor. For all units in the vicinity. The call to East Main and Darwin is now a shooting. The call is now code three. KMA three six seven. That's it. Coming up, Ben. East Main. Yeah. There's a crowd there on the corner. I guess you better pull up here, huh? All right. Come on. Yeah. Over by the light
10: pole, Ben. Joe, man lying on the sidewalk. You want to check the crowd, buddy? Yeah.
11: Okay. Let, let us through here, please. Can we get through? Excuse me. Yeah, look, yeah, will you please get here. back? Move
2: back, please. House, please. All right, come on. I wonder if you just move along. Just yeah. move along, man. Move along. That's Give bad. us a little room to work. Thank
9: ben. you. Ben. Yeah, Joe. Have a look here. Huh? No. That's Jack Connolly. Ben? He's dead. His full name was John Patrick Connolly, serial number 367. He was one of the veteran officers in Central Homicide. He lay face down on the pavement, one of his legs straddling the curbstone. He'd been shot twice at the base of his skull. There were four more bullet wounds in his back. Ben got to a phone, called Homicide, and told them what had happened. Two dozen cruiser cars and more than a half a hundred men were immediately dispatched to the scene of the killing. They circled the area for a dozen blocks around and started a door-to-door search for the killer. Suspicious-looking pedestrians were stopped at every street corner and questioned. 10.30 p.m. The ambulance arrived and Jack Conley's body was taken to the morgue. Along with Thaxter and Brian from Homicide, Barney Lucek, Ben and I continued checking in the immediate vicinity of the killing. We found no one who'd admit that they actually saw the shooting. Half a dozen people in the crowd told us that they heard the shots and they saw Conley fall to the pavement. They'd also seen a man standing behind Conley, turn and run down the street right after the shooting. No one had followed him. The man was described as medium build, wearing a dark suit and a dark hat. That's all it could tell us. 11.25 p.m., Ben and I met Barney Luchek back at the car.
11: Morning. Did you get anything? Checked out every store in the neighborhood that's open. Not much. How about you? Well, it's
9: the same. Pretty thin. Brian and Thaxter turned up a newsboy down the street. He told him he saw the guy in the dark suit running down the street. know. Yeah. Thought he saw the guy come out of this bar here. We heard that too, Barney. We talked to the bartender. He doesn't recall the man. I'll say, I almost forgot. I checked with the office. Mrs. Conley's been calling in. Wants to know where her husband is. Oh, yeah. I asked personnel to hold off notifying her. Something be you fellas who'd want to tell her. You knew Conley pretty well, didn't you? Yeah, a long time. Family man? Three kids. Hmm. If you fellas oh, don't, don't want to tell her, I'll call personnel back. They can do it. No, it's all right. it's all right. Eleven forty PM. Ben and I got in the car and headed out for the home of the slain officer Jack Connolly. The house was on Ralston Avenue, just a few blocks from where Ben lived. We parked the car and started up the front walk. The lights were burning in the living room. Lousy job. What I said it's a lousy job. Yeah. Try it again, huh? I heard it. Somebody's coming. Oh.
11: Hi, Joe. Ben. Oh, Betty. Hi, Hi, Betty. I'm sure glad you you can make it. Everybody's here. Come in. Come in. Okay, thank you. I'm still waiting for that wandering husband of mine. If he's not here
10: by midnight, he's going to be in the doghouse for sure. Here, let me take your coat.
9: No, Betty, that's all right. I wonder if we could go back into the kitchen. We'd like to talk to you. Matt, can't you stay long? Well, no, not too long. Oh, that's too bad. Well, come on back in the kitchen. I'll get you something. Maybe you can drop back later on. Jack should be here by then. He'd better be. Come on in. By the one of you seen Jack? That's what we wanted to talk to you about, Betty. What? Uh, you want to sit down, Betty?
10: What is it, Joe?
9: Tell me. Well, he had an accident. Where is he? I want to go see him. How bad an accident? Pretty bad. I want to go see him, Joe. If he's hurt, I want to see him. Couldn't be that bad. Could it? Yeah.
10: Oh, please, Joe. He's not dead. Tell me, Joe, please.
9: I'm sorry, Betty.
10: Dear God.
2: Oh God.
9: Want to give me a hand here, Joe? Yeah. Oh, she's white as a sheet. Be worse when she comes. Too. We better get a hold of the family doctor. You no, know, we're going to have to wait. We'll never get through now. Huh? Phone lines are probably jammed. It's midnight. Oh yeah. Happy New Year. a.m., we finally got a hold of the Connelly's family doctor, and he told us that he'd be over as quickly as possible. Some of Ben Connelly's relatives at the party said that they'd look after things until the doctor arrived. Ben and I left the house and drove back to the scene of the murder. The house-to-house check of the entire area was still going on. There was no trace of the killer. 1.30 a.m., a low fog moved in over the city. Traffic began to thin out a little. The street crowds disappeared. 2 a.m., the search went on. A little before 2.30, a patrolman on foot located a taxi cab driver in the neighborhood who claimed that he'd seen a man answering the killer's description just after the shooting. Ben and I went down the street to talk to the driver. He sat behind the wheel of his cab. It was especially equipped with shortwave radio to handle calls directly from the taxi company's dispatch office
11: got to pass it on for whatever it's worth, officer. It happened just a minute or two before I picked up my last fare. What time was that? Do you remember? I'm oh, remembering, too, and I got it right here on the way, Bill. Uh, yeah, yeah, here we go. 9.48 p.m. I was parked just where I am now, same old stand. I picked up a fare, drove in the north main and Sotelo, and I came back here, my cab broke down, lousy distributor. I've been waiting for the repair truck ever since. Well, just what was it that happened before you picked up that fare here? Was it 948? Is that right? Yeah, 948, yeah. Well, I was going to say it was just a minute or two before that. I was parked right here. This guy comes running down the street through the crowd. He was really running, too. Yeah, go ahead. He's almost past me when he stopped all of a sudden, turned around and looked at me. I thought he wanted a cab, so I opened the door for him. He just looked at me and said, never mind, or something like that, and then he took off down the street. Maybe he was just a little goofed up, I don't know. Can you remember what he looked like? Oh, about your build, I guess. Medium, had a hat on, dark hat, dark suit. Did you get a look at his face? Yeah, he's about 28 or 30, dark complexion. Anything else you remember about him? No, not for sure. He looked like a hundred other moochies down around this neighborhood. Let's listen to those calls come in, huh? New Year's Eve and I draw a lame cab. Well, there's nothing else that you remember about this man that you think might help us, huh? No, you got it all, Sergeant. Just acted a little queer, that's all. Goofed up, probably. Did you see which way he went when he took off? Right down the street. That way. Mm-hmm. Lost himself in a crowd. I couldn't be bothered. Mm-hmm. How about when he came running down the street towards you? And you happen to notice where he was coming from? Matter of fact, yeah. That was just after I heard those gunshots. Of course, I didn't know there were gunshots, Sam. yeah. Looked to me like he came out of that joint up there, right near where the cop was shot. Which joint was that? The 228, that bar up there.
9: Well, it wasn't much, but it was the only lead we had to go on. Seven persons in the vicinity at the time of the shooting had volunteered the information that the killer had been a recent customer at the 228 Club, the neighborhood tavern. The owner and bartender of the club, Ralph Stevens, had been questioned twice that night by different officers, and he twice denied that there was any possibility that the killer could have been a patron at his bar. Stevens' denial didn't make any more sense than the killing itself. We made arrangements to have the cab driver we interviewed come down to the city hall to check through our mug books for the suspect. By 10 a.m. the next morning, the body of the slain homicide officer, Jack Connolly, had been posted. Four bullets were taken from his back from the base of his skull. Russ Camp ran the slugs through ballistics where they were identified as having been fired from a 38 caliber Colt Special Revolver. 11 a.m., we drove back to the 228 club where we talked to some of the customers who'd been there the night before. Three of them told us that they'd seen a man answering the general description of the killer in the bar shortly before the shooting. Ben and I went back to the stockroom at the rear of the bar and talked to the owner, Ralph Stevens. Look, how long does this thing have to go on anyway? I told you everything I knew last night. We know that, Stephen. Doesn't seem to jibe with what the rest of the witnesses saw, though. maybe you better take it up with them. I don't know anything about it. I got work to do, and you're in my way there.
11: Excuse
9: me. How come you're so sure that the man we want wasn't in your place last night? I'm not on trial here. You asked me what I know, and I told you. You don't mind? I got work to do. Do You mind moving over there? Right, we'd appreciate it if you'd cooperate. All right, if you want to know the truth, you're not good for my business here. Cops never are coming around asking questions. Customers don't like it. It's no good for business, no good at all. A cop was killed last night right outside your front door, and a half a dozen people say that the guy who did it was in here drinking. I run this place, it's mine. I say the man wasn't in here. Still like to know how you're so sure. I'm getting a little tired of this. I don't have an office down at the city hall to lounge around in. I got work to do. How about leaving, huh? You want to get your coat? We can talk to you downtown. Come on. Not before I call my lawyer. Go ahead and call him. Where's your coat? Why do we have to have trouble? I haven't got any beasts with you. No trouble, Stevens. We have to get to the bottom of it, that's all. I'd like to have you cooperate. Maybe the guy was in here last night. He came in a couple of times, that's all. I didn't want it to get out. Bad for business, those things. Can't afford it. Keeps customers away. Then the man was in here last night, is that right? I wasn't trying to cover it for him. hardly know him. I just didn't want it to get out. I got a right to protect my business.
11: Who is the man?
9: Harry Talmans, he's a hophead. If he did it, it probably wasn't his fault. How do you mean? He was hyped up last night, used his heroin. He probably didn't mean to shoot. Where do we find him? I wouldn't know if this is right, old address. What is it? Fairview Hotel, try there. 11.35 a.m., New Year's Day. We got in touch with Barney Luchek and Tom Bryan from Homicide, and they drove downtown to check at the Fairview Hotel for the suspect. Ben and I finished questioning the owner of the 228 Club and we went back to the office. 11.58 a.m., Barney Luchek and Brian got back.
11: Barney, what have you got? Fairview Hotel in South Grand. Was that the one?
9: Yeah. Did you find it okay? Yeah. talked to the desk clerk. Tell him registered there?
11: Yeah, he was. Hmm? Checked out two months ago. No leads. <laughs>
8: are listening to Dragnet, a series of authentic case histories documented from official files.
9: 1 p.m. New Year's Day. After we found that the suspect, Harry Talmage had checked out of the Fairview Hotel months before, Ben and I went back to the office and ran his name through R&I. The information given us by Ralph Stevens, the owner of the 228 Club, was apparently correct. The record on Talmadge showed that he was a confirmed user of narcotics. He served two brief terms for illegal possession of narcotics and another short term in the county jail for petty theft. We got out a broadcast and an APB on Talmadge. We checked out all his known friends and relatives, the places that he frequented, hotels, boarding houses that he'd stayed at. No leads. With the help of Lieutenant Walters and narcotics detail, we finally found the trail most likely to lead us to the suspect. The peddlers, who were suspected of supplying talmuds with narcotics, they were kept under a 24-hour watch. Three days passed. No results. January 4th, 9 a.m., Ben and I went to the funeral and burial services for the murdered officer, Jack Conley. 11 a.m., we got back to the office. I don't know why, Joe. I just don't cotton to funerals. Not a cop's funeral, anyway. No, well, I don't blame you wife looked a lot better, didn't she?
10: Yeah, she did bang up good,
9: considering.
11: Well, Joe?
9: Hi, Barney. What do you say, Barney?
11: Yeah, young fellow you told me, Barney, he phoned you, Ben. Oh, is
9: that right? Uh, did you give him the information?
11: Yeah, he wanted to know all about taking the police department examination. Now, who's that? One of my neighbor boys, a nice kid, wants to get on the force. I told him to apply at room five city hall any weekday. You can make his application then.
9: That it? I'm fine, Barney, thanks. Well, they got the recruiting campaign going now? Yeah, all this month. Taking mm-hmm. applications from all over the country. Mm-hmm. I'll get it. Homicide, Friday. Oh, yeah, Walters. Mm-hmm, just a minute. Okay. ALDSON, Donaldson. Okay, fine. Thanks a lot. Lou Walters, narcotics might be something. What's that? Oh? Well, he got a line on one of the mules who used to push heroin to town. He's got the name of Donaldson. He's been sounded out. He's ready to talk to us. This Donaldson was close to Talmadge? Well, supposedly, yeah. You know where Talmadge is? Well, let's ask him. Ben and I left the office and drove to the address on South Alameda where Donaldson, a friend of the murder suspect, was supposed to be staying. Turned out to be a cheap hotel in the Skid Row District. It was next to one of the rescue missions down there. We finally located Donaldson across the street. He was standing on the sidewalk along with four or five other men. They were listening to a small Salvation Army band playing outside one of the beer joints.
10: I hardly miss any of these sidewalk meetings, Sergeant. Like them. Band music. Even listen to the sermons. Do me a lot of good. understand you're not pushing junk anymore, Donelson. Is that right? Do you want to call me Big, Sergeant? Name's really John, but everybody calls me Big. All right. No, I haven't been pushing junk. Not for months. All through with it.
9: Well, when's the last time that you saw Harry Talmage? A couple of weeks
10: ago. I'm not much for Harry anymore. Like I say, I've been regular at these sidewalk meetings. Hearing the sermon. Changes the way a fella does things, you know. Yeah. Man's got to turn good sometime during his life. Not getting any younger. Fifty-eight. I figure it's time I start living by the word. Say, that's nice music, isn't it? Yeah. Do you have any idea where we might find Talmage now? I might have a few ideas on it. I don't know. Say, uh, I guess neither one of you fellas you snub. No, no. Look, no uh, don't bother it, does it? No, go ahead. That's no, all right. I know the last boarding house Harry stayed at, if that'll help any place on a 12th Street... I can give you the address. Well, is he still there, do you know? I don't think he is, no. Matter of fact, I'm sure he's not. Wish Harry'd come around and see me. Like to get him interested in these sidewalk meetings. Getting listening to the sermons might help him. Did an awful lot for me. Yes, sir. will you say that you saw Talmadge about two weeks ago? Well, not quite two weeks ago. It was the day after Christmas. Came down to my hotel and wanted some money. I couldn't give him any. That's when he told me he was moving. Going to some rooming house up around the city hall section up there. Did he mention any address? Not that I recollect, no. That sure is nice music, isn't it? Well, how about some of his other friends, Biggs? You think they might be able to help us? Well, Duke might help you. Harry and old Duke are still great friends. Duke sees him more than I do. Where do we find Duke? Well, yeah... Know the Penny Arcade down in South Main? Right down from the train depot there? Yeah. That's where Duke works. He's a janitor there. I've been trying to get Duke to come to the sidewalk meetings, too. He sure could stand it, old Duke. Well, thanks very much, Biggs. Not at all, Sergeant. Always glad to help out. Now, look at that now. All out of snuff. Say you couldn't see your way clear, could you?
11: There you go, Biggs.
10: That's sure Christian of you, Sergeant. I'll handle this just like a personal loan. It's all right, Biggs. Don't say anything about us talking to you, though, huh? Not to anyone. No, sir, I won't. You can trust me. Say, when you see Harry, give him a message, huh? Well, what's that? You tell him to come and see me. I want him to show up at these meetings, hear the sermons. It could change everything, Sergeant. It could give him a new life, new soul brand new soul for Harry. Think of that.
9: Yeah, I could use one. At 3 p.m. Tuesday, January 4th. We drove down to the Penny Arcade on South Main. Harry his friend, Duke, wasn't there. The manager of the place gave us his home address and we checked it out. Duke wasn't there either. We staked out at the place for the rest of the afternoon. Duke failed to show. At 6 o'clock that night, Barney Luchek and Brian from Homicide came out and relieved us. Ben and I had dinner at Johnny Copan's, and then we went back to the office. 7.20 p.m. Want to grab that, Joe? Yeah, I got it. Homicide, Friday. This is Lucek, Joe. Oh, yeah, Barney. Tell me his friend just showed up here we're talking about. Will he tell you anything? Yeah, you got a pencil. You better write this down. All right, wait a minute. Just a second. All right, go ahead. It was 1727 West Hoover, is that right? Yep. Apartment 3? Well, what's the pitch? Harry Talmadge. He says he's there now. All right, Barney. Thanks. Bye. Okay, so... Yeah. What's he got? Harry Talmage. Supposed to be at this address. <laughs> ben and I got in the car and drove out to the West Hoover Street address where we met Lucek and Brian. 1727 was a small two-story apartment house. Spanish stucco in style. Apartment three was at the rear of the first floor. All right, Luchek, you want to pick up Brian and you cover the back. Right, Joe. Come on, Ben. Let's go. Get us up the stairs, huh? Mm hmm.
10: Three. Okay. I'll cover you.
9: No sound inside. Doors open. No it's, no, it's empty. You want to try the bedroom? I'll check the kitchen. Joe. All right. Come on. On your feet. All right. gammon backing. All right. Come on. Hold still. Thirty-eight revolver, Joe. Cold special. All right. How about it, Tommy? It's mine. What of it. Where's your coat? I don't know. Why'd you kill him? Because I wanted to. That's all. He was a cop. Is that your only reason? I told you he was a cop. What's the difference? It's a big difference, mister. Why? I killed him. It's just one cop less. What's the difference? Ask his family. They'll tell you.
8: The story you've just heard was true. Only the names were changed to protect the innocent. On March 26th, trial was held in Superior Court, Department 86, City and County of Los Angeles, State of California. In a moment, the results of that trial. Leslie was found guilty of manslaughter by jury trial and was sentenced to the state penitentiary. He was paroled after serving six years in prison. You have just heard Dragnet, a series of authentic cases from official fires. Technical advice comes from the office of Chief of Police W.H. Parker, Los Angeles Police Department.
0: You're listening to W. S-H-D-L-P Eastport. That was a 1951 episode of the radio version of Dragnet, The Big New Year's Eve. And we have time for a few more 1922 bonus tracks. Discontented Blues, that was the Friar Society Orchestra, and before that, Dixie Blues with Edith Wilson. And we started with another Friar Society number, Eccentric, all from 100 years ago, 1922. Thank you, dear friends. This concludes today's show. On behalf of around-the-world staff of researchers, recording engineers, interns, and Victrola technicians, This is Cracklin' Jane. Thank you, and see you next week!
1: Loudon, A.K.A. the Bass Lady, join me for Jazz Potpourri, airing Wednesdays from 2:30 to 4:30 p.m., with a repeat on Saturdays from 4 to 6 p.m. From divas to crooners, from the streets of New Orleans to the clubs of Paris, with a little Latin added for spice, Jazz Potpourri is an auditory mix for your listening pleasure. Join me Wednesdays and Saturdays on 93.3 FM WSHD LP.
7: Eastport. Hey, have I got a radio show for you. Bold Coasting comes at you twice a week. Thursday at 8, Sunday at 4, right here on WSHDLP LP in Eastport, Maine, 93.3 FM. On Bold Coasting, we don't just play the music, uh, we like to talk about it a little bit too. It's music and commentary, it's a radio show with liner notes. You kids can ask your parents what that means.
3: Joe Mad Pad. Joe Mad, Pad. Joe
7: Mad Pad. Tune in every Saturday night at 7 and again on Tuesdays at 8 for Philly Joe Remarkables Mad Pad right here on WSHDLP Eastport, Maine. on your fm dial man take this
3: crazy pad man it's a mad pad
0: you're listening to wshdlp esport broadcasting from the hallowed hallways of shed high school Tune in Mondays, 4 to 6 p.m. for Around the World with your host, Cracklin' Jane, featuring historical 78 RPM recordings from around the world, plus radio dramas from the golden age of radio. If you miss the show, don't despair. There's a repeat broadcast on Fridays, 6 to 8 p.m. And if you miss that, just go to www.cracklinjane.com and download or stream the show at your leisure.
1: Come on by Sam's Caffeine Cafe every Tuesday and Thursday morning from 8 until 10 a.m. I'm Sam, the proprietor. I keep all the tables clean. There are no sesame seeds on the floor. No schmutz from the night before. Just good music. The first hour, a little bit softer. Some Americana, folk, blues, a little bit of jazz. But by 9 o'clock, we are amped up on caffeine. We're playing up-tempo music all hour long. It's a grab bag, it's a fun place to hang out, and we would love to have you. We would. Please come by 93.3 WSHD LP Eastport.